welcome back to Living Our Breast Lives, episode 16, a podcast not only about two women thriving with metastatic breast cancer, but also self-love, appreciation, and overall awakening to this beautiful gift we call life. Each episode, we will be focusing on a different theme that will highlight each episode. Please don't forget to not only tune in, but to also subscribe and review. Welcome back, and thank you for tuning into our podcast, Living Our Breast Lives. My name is Brittany, and with me is Ren. Welcome back, everyone, and thank you for tuning in to episode 16. So, today's episode. I'm not sure why we waited so long, but I would say it's kind of up there. It's a biggie. Let's freaking talk cancer in your 30s. Where does one even begin? We've got degrees, career, marriage, homeowners, babies. All right, let's, let's try that again, yeah? Okay, we've got biopsies, doctor's appointments, scans, treatment, screw your wedding, adios career, no babies for you. You said cancer in your 30s. What about your 20s? Uh, and sadly, even younger for some. Yep. Uh, in my 30s, it was, you know, difficult because there's moments when you think about everything you've done this far in your life, like going to school to get an education so that hopefully you get a well-paying job to obtain financial stability for buying a house, starting a family. It feels like, I don't know, Ren, help me out here. I don't want to say it's all for nothing because it's not, but you know. I mean, okay, so prior to my post-traumatic growth awakening, I might've looked at it like that, Uh, But today, I don't know, I I feel like I see it a little bit more clearly. I wouldn't say it was all for nothing because all of those life decisions led me right here. You know, we always talk about that, like being present and we're all here in this exact moment for a reason. But side note, one thing a diagnosis can never take from you is that hard-earned education. So, I mean, you might have to say adios to your career for a little while, but not the degree that degree of yours stays forever. You know, that is so true. I'm glad you said that. Thank you for saying that because I think I still have moments where I just dream about how I'm no longer an x-ray tech and I want to be. But broken record alert, because I know I've said this once or twice before, when I started to process and reflect on my life's journey, my attitude changed. Like my career you know, was shorter than I thought, but at least I had it. And over that decade and then some, um, while I was practicing, I know I helped a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And now I think, you know, I'm doing so in a different way. God's plan is greater than any plan I could have for myself. So, yeah, I mean, I know you mentioned like the x-ray tech and like, even though we might not be helping our patients or like our students anymore, but like, look who we are helping. And I'm actually going to include myself in that statement because I've said this before to you privately, but like, I feel like this podcast has been super therapeutic for me in many ways. Um, Like it, it allows me to say things that I feel deep down inside, but you know, haven't really like justified yet or like come to any conclusions yet, or it helps me rationalize my thoughts. Um, You know, there are some things that hurt, like really, really hurt. And I don't know why or where that hurt is coming from until I talk about it on this podcast. And then I'm like, well, all right, there it is. (laughs) I love that you come to that realization through this podcast. Um, Yeah. I will say though, as much as we are like, we are different gals. 
because you finding the podcast therapeutic and you know through our discussions, I struggle having to talk about it. True. I want to help others, truly do, but sometimes, you know, we talk about difficult topics. I get that. So cancer in your 30s. How about trying to think of what we should start with? Let's start with age. So we know um, I was first diagnosed early stage at 29. Um, I would say that my age really stood out to me when it was time to get treatment at the infusion center. You know, you just do that like quick glance around and you look at, you know, who's sitting in the chairs next to you and whatnot. And I mean, come on, talk about a quick kick to the gut, you know? Being the youngest person in the cancer center, I don't even know how to begin my thoughts around that because at the beginning, I just remember looking around thinking, I don't belong here. But the truth of the matter is none of us do. And I remember scanning the room, looking at the other patients, and the youngest in age next to me appeared. And I say appear because I don't know how old they really were, but they appeared to be in their 60s. And it was months before someone who appeared closer to me in age was in the treatment center. And as I was looking at them, I was thinking, are we in prison? Because I wanted Mm. to turn to him and say, what are you in for? And it's so sad to see another young person in the cancer center, but it's wrongfully comforting because you aren't the only young cancer patient anymore. Like the time you saw me up on the stage at the Susan G. Komen conference. Yeah, I mean, I literally was like, woohoo, there's another one of me out there, except (laughs) that's not something I should be excited about. You're right. And And, I remember I was like, we're NBC queens. Like, come on. (laughs) Yeah. And I can't even begin to tell you how many times while I was sitting in the waiting room, pre-COVID, mind you, there would be strangers sitting next to me and they would, you know, try to make small talk and say, who are you here with? Are they almost done with their treatment? And when I would reply to them, I'm the patient, I'd get back a look of shock followed by, sorry. That's the worst. Yeah. And it's like, what do you say back to that? And I know they're saying sorry because they don't know what to say. And I don't know what to say back to them either. Just like, it's okay. Sometimes I just like shrug my shoulders. I'm like, it's all good. Like, I, I don't, it's, it's awkward. I know. I mean, people truly, they don't know what to say, especially when you catch them off guard like that. Um, I mean, I was in that headspace for a long time, but as I've said before, I am a fixer. And so I kind of like maneuver things to try and make it a little bit better for myself. So I went ahead and I found like the slow day during the week. And I actually also found like the slow time during that day at the infusion center. And I actually started going on those days instead of, you know, cause there, there, believe it or not, are certain days of the week where there are multiple oncologists at the center. And normally what people will do is after they go and see their oncologist, then they'll go for treatment after. And so there are, I hate when they say this, but like they will call it like crowded days at the treatment center. And so I've just done like a really good job at avoiding that at all costs and now that's really smart to have like thought of that because I I do know it's like 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 you said when the oncologists are there and I like saving myself a trip so I always try to like piggyback the appointments to see the oncologist and do the treatment but exactly that was smart exactly and see I don't do that because I actually see my oncologist and then get treatment at two different locations on two different days yeah I mean so I don't know. It's really worked for me. So when I tell you I've sat, you know, cause I go every two weeks. 
sometimes I'll go later on in the day and I'll sit there and there will be only one other person there. Okay, so Britt, how do you feel about it now? Like, have your feelings changed at all? Or are you kind of still in that same mindset? Um, well, I guess in the beginning, that would kind of send me through all sorts of emotions. Now I think I'm pretty much used to being the youngest person in the center. When I get the look of shock and bewilderment, when I say I'm a stage four patient, I now smile and think, damn, I must look good. Damn right. I was a patient. (laughs) (laughs) Damn right, as you flip your hair back. Girl, you do look good. I flip my hair and I'm a... (laughs) (laughs) You look good. We look good. We're kicking ass, living our breast lives right now. Come on. Yep, yep, yep. Boop, 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 boop. (laughs) Okay, so let's segue into another um, tough adjustment to having cancer in your 30s. This is a fun one socializing. Oh, what makes the world go round, right? So not for someone who's going through treatment or who is now newly immunocompromised. Let's talk about one social calendar. So you look around and people our age, so I'm going to say early 30s, right? They are free to do as they please. And that's what your 30s are supposed to be. The 30s are the sweet spot. It's like your 20s, but now you've got money. You know, you've worked for like a good, I don't even know, like five to eight years at this point with a steady career, steady paycheck. Like you've got that money coming in. And you no, no, you've got that more money, more problems. More problems is right because everyone else is going to breweries and, you know, concerts and they're spending their money how they want to. And for somebody who's diagnosed very early on, you're spending that hard-earned money on thousands of dollars in fertility treatments. Or I can't speak for you, but like I meet my out-of-pocket maximum within the first two months of the new year. Pharmacy bills. I mean, the list goes on and on. <laughs> the pharmacy bills never go away. That's what I'm saying. And it's like you're, like socializing suddenly comes to a halt, not only because you're immunocompromised, but all your money is going to, you know, your, your health, your like what it is that you're currently experiencing. So first off, now you're immunocompromised and you have to navigate that new way of life. And then in addition to that, let's just throw in a worldwide pandemic into the mix while we're at it. So now you really have no social life because your ass literally can't leave the house. Fun, fun. (sighs) The pandemic. Is it over yet? Is it over yet? Because being diagnosed during that, prior to COVID, it was you know, and I was only in that a few months, you know, a few months because I was diagnosed, had a few months and then COVID hit, but you're in this heightened, let's live, you know, like, yeah, <laughs> like truly live life to the fullest, but you can't because there is this virus that wants to try and kill you. I stayed like recluse in my house, watching precious time pass by, waiting for when I could be a free bird and fly again. I wanted to re-enter society, if you will, but the pandemic aside, you really, you know, anytime you want to do something, you have to take caution. And it's, you know, how many times, myself included, have we gone to work, gone to school, gone to a social gathering when we've been sick or, oh, it's just, you know, a little cough, maybe just becoming under the weather, but we're not considering that we could be jeopardizing somebody else's health when we go out in public. I think it all goes to, you know, going, you're not going off topic too much, but going back to, we really need to, as a community, as a world, start 
thinking about other people other than ourselves and look at how our actions can affect other people. And that alongside determining whether the people around you are healthy or not. In addition to that, trusting that the people around you are willing to put your health on the utmost priority. Like if you should go to dinner next weekend, your friends invited you to. Ooh, ooh, we're playing role play, role play, role play. Rent, let's not play. <laughs> I love a little bit of role play. <laughs> okay, we're, we gotta keep it PG, yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Keep it PG. Ooh, All right. Oh, my slow brain just got that. I was like, role play PG. Ah! <laughs> okay, let's role play. Britt, let's meet up for a Sunday fun day. Sure. Wait, let me just check my chemo schedule. <laughs> oh, shoot. Looks like I will just be finishing treatment. White blood cell count might be too low. Can't risk being social. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> or if you're two friends with an NBC diagnosis trying to live your breast lives, hey, Britt, want to go on a vacation? Oh, sure. I just can't go this week because of appointments. How about next week instead? Sorry, I have scans. What about the following week? And even if you don't have a cancer friend, that sounds like Barbie when speaking and you're just trying to plan something, it's basically saying, my schedule has a sweet spot, and if you want to see me, you need to work around my schedule. Sorry. And who wants to work around anyone's schedule? Okay, wait, yeah. I have another one. What about, hey, want to come to a family barbecue that we're having next week? Sure, but will there be anyone who is, has been, or is recovering from being sick? Or you think might become sick in the future? No. <laughs> oh my God, I just want to talk like that for the rest of the show. But I like adding to if someone is sick, please tell me so I don't come. Thankfully, most of the people I surround myself with care enough about my general well being that even if they sneezed like one time a month ago, they let me know just so I can make the best decision for myself. <laughs> Sorry, the, the month ago kind of had me rolling. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, last one. Ren, would you like to come to a brewery with us? Yes, but when exactly? Because hmm, depending on the date, I'll be sick from chemo. You know, the side effects, they're about three to five business days following, but on day four, don't you worry. I will be ready to rage. And yes, and yes we're no longer using um, side effects. We are now using side effects. I think it synonymous. It vibes, yeah. Like, you might not even know we switched it. Oh my gosh, next time we see our oncologist, we're like, so I haven't really been having any side effects, but um, I have, like, and see if <laughs> Well, because, I mean, it. that's exactly what they are. I mean, they are side effects that fuck with you. Yeah. <laughs> this is just, <laughs> you know, all this is just so sadly true. But, you know, at least we find the humor in it. Listen, you know humor is the only thing that gets us through. At least, I mean, I can't speak for you, but, like, it's the only thing that gets me, keeps me going. Happy and confused all the time. Always. So, Britt, what is another thing that most people our age are doing in their early 30s, you ask? They are having sweet, sweet, sweet babies. Ew, babies! <laughs> so, if you didn't know, after everything we said regarding induced menopause in the last episode, is that when you start chemotherapy treatments, your ovaries turn off completely and a menstrual cycle is no longer happening. So no menstrual cycle equals no pregnancy. You are safe. But for someone like Brittany, whose diagnosis is hormone driven, we obviously don't want her ovaries to ever wake up. 
So what the hell happens if you are in your early 30s with the hope of one day being a mother and you are diagnosed with metastatic hormonal breast cancer that requires lifelong treatment slash, you know, dormant ovaries? Well, the option to birth your own child is sadly, I mean, it's no longer there. And I know this whole episode is cancer in your 30s. So if you're diagnosed, let's say in your 50s, 60s, et cetera, you've most likely already had your children if motherhood was something you envisioned for yourself. But that's not the case when you're in your early 30s. God, it's like, it's so tough to think about. And it's even harder to like to say out loud, this is what I mean when I say like therapy, like it's therapeutic for me, because these are all thoughts that I assume many young cancer patients have, but it's just not nearly spoken about enough. I remember when I was with my doctor, when I was first diagnosed, it was, do you want to have kids? And I never was sold on children. But while I was saying that my husband was in the room too. And she looked at him and was like, have you guys discussed this before? Not what, because it was almost like in that room, you had to be mediated with your partner. Are you both on the same sheet of music? Yikes. It's just an uncomfortable, I mean, especially like you have those conversations like with the person that you love, but now you're adding in an oncologist who is basically telling you, you probably only have like one option, which is obviously fertility treatments or like adoption, you know, even though early stage breast cancer treatment is only temporary, sometimes an oncologist will tell you like you run the risk of never being able to conceive because of the severity, you know, that the chemotherapy can have on your ovaries during your treatment cycles, especially if you're having like a harsh ass treatment, like the red devil that I did all those years ago. I honestly never thought that I would see my menstrual cycle again. It's always nice to see it pop up. I miss it. Yeah. And that's another big difference between us. Like my menstrual cycle is back in full swing and you still don't, you know, even heard there's a tampon shortage. So if anyone needs me, I got three boxes that I'll never use. There you go. Hit her up on Instagram. Yeah. Um, But I will say like on a more positive note, even though, you know, early stage breast cancer patients do run the risk of like not being able to conceive because of the chemotherapy. Like I've heard of many, many miracles. Like I know plenty of women that have gone on after treatment, they're in remission right now and they have had their beautiful children. That's even people who also have had cervical cancer, part of their cervix removed and were told they were never going to be able to get pregnant or not likely. And, you know, they've had their first, second, third child now. Um, So there's always hope, believe in miracles. And, you know, if that doesn't work, there's always fertility treatments. You can freeze your eggs like Ren did. And from that point, if you don't think you can carry your own child, you can find a surrogate or look into adopting. So I clearly have a lot to say regarding my journey with fertility and kind of like the route that Danny and I will possibly take in the future. But I'd like to take the time for that and everything in between and maybe discuss on our upcoming episode, just because there's like a lot to unpack there and I don't want it getting lost in this episode. So are you cool with that? Mm-hmm. Okay, so future episode aside, I have a question that that I've been dying to ask you. Do you, Brittany, want to muggle? (laughs) What the fork is muggling? (laughs) Muggle. Do you know? Muggling's not a word. It's muggle. Yeah. Well, do you know what a cancer muggle is? That's a negative. Okay. Let me explain. So, in the cancer world, 
there are people called muggles. And believe it or not, these people tend to make things really difficult for a person diagnosed in their early 30s. And honestly, I, I would say at any age for that matter. So these are the kinds of people who think they know more than you, the doctors, the specialists, the nurses, all the trained professionals combined. It might be the person who looks you straight in the eyes and tells you chemotherapy is a scam and that alternative medicine is the only cure. Mind you, here we are, Brittany and Wren, sitting here three years later, living our breast lives as the chemotherapy and immunotherapy continue to save our lives. But sure, let me get off this highly, very highly effective medication that my oncologist put me on and take your advice right away. I mean, sounds about right. <laughs> I, I wholeheartedly believe though alternative medicine has benefits oh, yeah. and healing abilities, some of which we haven't even tapped into yet. But am I personally ready to ditch my chemotherapy for alternative medicine alone? Not yet. Girl, exactly. Like I have heard magical things about alternative medicine. I've read books. Like I've seen people travel out of the country, like internationally to go and like take alternative medicine and it has cured them. But I'm not going to sit here and lose my immunotherapy that's working for me and like saving my life right now. But then there's the person who tells you what you should or shouldn't eat. That one's fun. Listen, I mean, I have heard reducing... Okay, let's be honest, it's not really reducing as much as cutting sugar helps starve cancer. But when I talked to my oncologist, she said, your cancer is eating and living off of your hormones, not sugar, which is true because my cancer is fed by hormones, estrogen to be specific. And so then I'm like, huh, shoot, I guess I can eat all the sugar I want. <laughs> Lucky you. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I think... I, I mean, I definitely still have reduced sugar in my diet for a number of reasons, but until you can tell me, like, with 100% certainty that if I cut all the sugar from my diet, I will be cured of my cancer, it's going to remain in my diet to some capacity, okay? Yeah, no, like, I know. I mean, I couldn't agree more because obviously cutting out sugar is definitely beneficial but, 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 all... but is it more beneficial than me eating my macaroons <laughs> exactly and the joy macaroons give me exactly all the joy because how many people don't want to waste a single second of their life being unhappy when food you know tends to be the one thing that makes them the happiest i mean i live to eat i love to travel and when as soon as my travel plans are booked i'm like okay where are we eating when we get there? Exactly. Food is like, get in my belly. As a side note, if you are hormone receptor positive and want to avoid a food, consider soy since it has phytoestrogens, which possibly mimic estrogen. Even turmeric has some estrogenic properties. And even though turmeric's good for circulation and digestion, it's not the best if you have HR-positive breast cancer. I love this podcast because I feel like every so often we give some really good advice. <laughs> yeah, and it's all about pros and cons because you just have to do you. Do what makes you happy and what you think is best for you and your overall health. I mean... I don't know. It's hard to say. There's, there's a balance, of course, and there's a lot of scientifically proven choices that you can make to help your body remain healthy, whether it's, you know, eating right, exercise, therapy, yoga, etc. But 
how somebody chooses to live their life is solely up to them. Like some people choose happiness above all and that's okay. And so like, that's why the muggles in society, you know, should probably, I don't know, I don't want to say like keep their opinions to themselves, but. Yeah, it's a fine line because like with the muggles, it's like, there's always something to learn from them sometimes, but then sometimes it's repetitive nonsense. (laughs) But I guess that, I mean, There's good intentions in it, I'm sure. And it's all how you present things to people as well, you know? Yeah, like, when I was first diagnosed, I don't know if I ever told you this or not, some woman comes up to me and she goes, hmm, yeah, my aunt died from cancer. And I just looked at her like, are you kidding? (laughs) Time and a place, lady. Time and a place. Like, Well, that could be one of those, uh... When in like the seventies? No, last year. Hmm. Yeah. Oh, there's like, no oh. hope for me because I don't know what advancements have happened in the past year. <laughs> exactly. Like, keep it to yourself, lady. Please, just do us all a favor. Yeah. So another interesting concept for me, at least as an AYA patient, and AYA stands for adolescent young adult. By the way, is how in the wee 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 beginning we have to worry about surviving versus living. I mean. it's really hard to put into perspective. Like you're forced to think about things like life, death, regrets, writing wills, just like overall. Have you, have you, have you done that? I, I mean, it's morbid, but when things weren't looking too good for little old Ren, I sure did. Oh, I've only verbally uh, expressed my intentions and will. No, I've got, yeah, I've got a typed up document. I mean, things weren't looking too good, but I don't, you know, it's just like morbid shit that you wouldn't normally think about at age 30. Oy. And, uh, you know, for me also, it's different being diagnosed in your 30s and still potentially knowing that you're supposed to have, you know, 50 years ahead of you. It's like, so now what? I remember I met an older woman with my similar diagnosis a few years back. And when we were talking, she said the words, and I wish she hadn't, but she did. Well, dear, at least I lived my life, but what about you? That shit stings. Like, I don't know. Like, maybe, yeah, maybe she's technically lived a longer life, but come on. Like, who knows if she was really living the way that I'm living right now? That is so true. I don't know. I don't think I ever thought about surviving, and I definitely didn't even consider being around in 50 years. Damn, well. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, I guess I was just more focused on making the most of every single day, Ren. If anything, I have put living into overdrive. I don't wait for later. I live and plan for now. Now, do you feel like you were like that pre-diagnosis too? No. Okay. All right. So that's part of that PTG awakening. Okay. Like I was more like, put it, like I always liked having something to look forward to. Yeah. But like, I wasn't, I did, I'm not that I'm stressed or pressured, but now I'm more like, no calendar needs to be full. Yeah. And like, we've talked about that a little bit before. Like it wasn't so much about trauma for you and it wasn't so much about like survival. It was more like getting through it, like pushing through and getting, doing what you needed to do to get through it. And I think that has a lot to do because like our experience, like we've talked about this, right? Like our experiences were very different. Um, And we talked about this in the PTG episode, actually. Each time I found myself in the hospital, especially for my collapsed lung and the chest tube emergency surgery, I would find myself saying over and over again, like, you got this, 
just keep on keeping on. Like you need to make it out of here alive. Like survival was the only thing on my mind. And those thoughts, like that's, that's a little bit odd for like a 30 year old to be having, you know what I mean? Yeah. I think survival is just a natural instinct. Like you said that you needed to keep on going. Like, I think it's just, you just keep going. It doesn't matter how many times you get knocked down. You just keep getting up. You have a strong will, you know, a strong mindset. And, you know, I think the mind is what helps the most because it can make the body do things that you never thought possible. I truly believe that. And with all that said, that leads me to today's quote from the late great Maya Angelou. You may encounter many defeats, but you must not be defeated. In fact, it may be necessary to encounter the defeats so you can know who you are, what you can rise from, how you can still come out of it. For today's takeaway, a cancer journey can be tough. It is tough. And it's probably a little bit more complicated when you experience it at such a young age. But as I just said, it's a journey. And life is a journey. And journeys are unpredictable and unforeseeable. And they're usually not the way we anticipate them to be. But just because your journey isn't what you expected doesn't make it any less beautiful. And all those things that you feel might have been taken from you because of a cancer diagnosis at such a young age, think about all the things cancer has given you and the life that you still have and the life that you still have coming. That's kind of the joy of each day, getting to wake up, not knowing what to anticipate, but just being thankful that you've lived to see another day and can put your two feet on the ground and get moving. Boom. Good shit, my friend. Great, <laughs> great way to just tie it all together. Thank you. So I, I guess, you know, I think I'm going to close this time with my Barbie voice. Thank you so much for tuning into our podcast, Living Our Breast Lives. Feel free to follow us on Instagram at Living Our Breast Lives, where we will share podcast updates, special dates, educational resources, and of course, health updates for those following our metastatic breast cancer journeys. Have questions? comments or anything else you would like answered on our podcast send us a message on instagram thank you from the bottom of our hearts and as always choose kindness someone may look fine on the outside but you never know who's actually struggling on the inside until next time don't forget to live your breast lives and i would just like to take a second and apologize for everybody that just had to listen to that god bless thanks everyone what? <laughs>